Loving Liberty Network is excited to present Ask an Immigrant, a weekly radio show by Lydia Wallace Nuttall and immigrants from all over the world who share their personal stories as to why they came to America. Lydia is the author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution, and an executive board member for We the Kids, with the mission to put God back into America's history and to inspire kids to value liberty and our United States Constitution and to be proud to be Americans. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Lydia Nuttall. I'm your podcast host for Ask an Immigrant. We are dedicated to helping us and our rising generation to value, have gratitude for, and appreciate what we have here in America, because this is an awesome country, and I am so proud to be an American. You can be too. And today we have with us... I know I always say a special guest because every guest is special, but this guest truly is special because she's 90 years old and as sharp as a tack. I hope I'm as uh, good in my memory and everything as Ruth is. So Ruth, welcome to Ask an Immigrant. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you here, especially because you are from, tell us where you're from, Ruth. I am from East Germany. I'm from Lauban, East Germany. Oh, boy. And then... And it's um, Polish now. By now, it's Poland. Okay, it's part of Poland now. Yeah, borders After have really war. changed a lot. Yeah. yeah, after the war. And uh, tell us, so the war that you're referring to is World War II, the correct? Second World War. Yep. Second World and War. 1939 to 1945. There you go, people. Can you hear how sharp she is? She even knows when World War II was. How many of us can, <laughs> can even, do, even know, let alone remember, when World War II was? So... Um, so Ruth has a very, very special story because she lived in East Germany and, uh, she has so many experiences and stories to share about what life was like for her as a child, especially because she spent her youth in East Germany during a really horrible conflict, a world conflict and how it affected her and her family and her future and she's here in america now yay what state are you in ruth yeah i'm in utah salt lake she's in city utah. utah okay so uh so ruth i would love to hear um you were a youth during the time like little like in elementary school during the time of Adolf Hitler. And there are a lot of children today who don't even know who Hitler is uh, or was and uh, any of that part of history in Germany. Uh, can you share with us what, I don't know if you have like a, a memories from before Hitler took over Germany and then when he was over Germany, do you have any before and afters or did, what well, were you really me, little? Uh, I was born in 1932. Okay, so and seven Hitler years before came, the war. Yeah, Hitler came in power in 1933. Wow. So okay. I was a year old. Um, 
I remember my parents telling me, in the beginning, when Hitler started ruling, it was no, not bad. He promised everybody will have a house, everybody will have a radio, and everybody will have a car. That's when the idea of the Volkswagen started. Oh. That was what he promised the people. It took 12 years until the people had nothing left because he started the war. He decided that Germany needed more countries, more land, and so he started falling into the little countries beside Germany, like Poland, like Belgium and the Netherlands, and then France. That's when the war started. And in 1939, my father was drafted. My father had a shoemaker business. He could make shoes for people to fit them. They didn't have, I think, big companies at this time. If people had foot problems, they had shoes made to fit them special. And so he was drafted. And already in 1940, he was killed, I think, by the English then. The English had coming into the war and the French. And he was, he was killed in Belgium, and he is buried in Belgium. Mm. That was the first blow of the war. My mother was sick for a whole year because I had one little brother, and he was one year old. He never knew his father. He could have no, no memory of his father. And so still my mother was, my father had a good life insurance. And my mother took very well care of us. And then the war started getting worse and worse. And then when Hitler got in early in with Russia, and first he was... Um, he persecuted Russia till almost Moscow, and then the Russians didn't take it anymore, and they came back with full force. And they came over to East Germany, and I'm sorry to say the Russian soldiers raped all the women. Oh. And that was a great big fear. And so when they came close to our town, we, there came many which were refugees, and we took them in. I know my mother took so many people in. She said, if we just can stay here. But then we heard the cannons coming and the war coming, and we had to leave. And she had just us two children. Our uh, uh, relatives lived an hour away from us father to the west. And so mother had a little wagon made a little pull cart, and in it she put two, three suitcases and a feather bed. And my little brother, well, he by then he was going on six years old. He could sit on top of it, and we had to pull that little wagon from one little country, one little country town to another little country town in order to get away from the coming uh, soldiers, and that we wouldn't get raped. Mother was, I was, by then, I was 12, 
13 years old, and it was terrible scary. It was terrible scary. And then they gathered up all the refugees at the railroad station. They wouldn't let get anybody past, and they put us in cattle cars. It's so wonderful to ride in cattle cars. You just get straw on the floor, and that's it. And they took us to Czechoslovakia. Now it's only Czech. Now they divided Czech and Slovakia, but then it was Czechoslovakia. And we were in what you call the Sudetenland. That is the border areas between Czechoslovakia and Germany. And that's where we had to live, and that's where my mother had to go to work. And so we when had you mentioned... Ruth, when you mentioned they put you on the trains in the cattle cars and took the, you the, to the Czechoslovakia, Russia. is that the, Hitler's, the, the government? The, the German government, yeah. The German government, you, okay. You, you, they, they closed the streets, and that was it. You couldn't go any farther, and everybody got in the cattle cars. Wow. They, they just forced the people to do everything. I think um, President Uchtdorf tells the same story. I heard him tell about the cattle cars, too, when they were put in there. So that's the way we ended up in Czechoslovakia. And then 1946-47, we came back to East Germany. The East German people were destroyed, and the West German people... Uh, they had another borderline then between East and West. Um, the people in the western part of the United States didn't like the refugees from the eastern part. And I, you know, we were with some people in the house where they forced the people to give up the room that they had to live in. And there was no water, running water in the house at that time. And they had a well. And then there was a long handle and a bucket. And you had mm -hmm. to take that bucket and let it down in the well and get water up. And they hated us so much that they hit the handle for the water. They didn't even want us to have any water. I remember that. It was terrible. So that, that was also an awful story. And there was very little food to eat. Uh, we had to go. Then there were the communists ruling. That was already, the Hitler time was over. The whole country was destroyed. And the communists were ruling. And when you would walk the streets, you always thought somebody was following you. It's a terrible feeling. You are not free. You cannot do what you want to do. You cannot work where you want to work. You cannot go to school where you want to go to school. The government tells you what to do. And or this what would happen? What would happen you if you did want to do something different? Well, if you did it, it just wouldn't work. This, this right after the war, it was even worse than in the war. 
in the war, they still tried to keep a little bit order within the people. But after the war, there was no more order. People were displaced. And mm. there was the ruins. I remember going to Magdeburg. Uh, but you see in the TV now from the Ukraine, that's the way it looked. Everything was broken down. And there was no food to eat. People would go over the countryside and see if there was a potato in the ground or if mm. they could find some some growing wheat and we'd cut off the tops of it to grind the little kernels to make us something to eat. It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> There's a story. My mother found a board in the street and they brought the board home. And in that little room, we had a little pot belly stove. That was the only heating we had. It was a tiny little room. And um, she found that board. And she started whittling it down in little pieces and made us a fire in that little pot belly. So we found out later on that the farmer had lost this board. It had holes in there. And it was the board which belonged to the chicken, to the pigeon coop. And he could not replace it because there was nothing to buy. And my mm. mother said, oh, don't you ever tell anybody that I found that board and whittled it down and burned it. They would have killed us because wow. the farmer could not get another board for his pigeon coop. And I remember when there was Christmas time and mother had found a tiny little tree. I don't even know where she found it. Tiny, maybe a foot. And she had a little bit cotton. And she stretched the cotton over the tree. And somehow she made a little star. And that was our Christmas. And <laughs> one candle she had. And she lighted the candle and the little cotton uh, took fire and the <laughs> little tree everything burned. Oh. That was the end of the oh. There were no gifts. There was nothing. Then <laughs> the little Christmas tree burned down. Oh, that, dear. <laughs> that, Isn't it amazing? You can oh, laugh about it now, but I'm sure it was no yes. laughing matter at the time, you especially know, for you as I, children. I can laugh about it now, and I tell my children the story, and they look at me well, they even can't quite understand how it was. Yeah. It was bad. And then I had an aunt. She was in West Germany. And by the peril of her life, she came over where we lived by Magdeburg in Germany. And she came to tell us that we need to go to West Germany. And that she will help us. Well, first she introduced us to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's when I learned there was a reason for living. That goes with the story, uh, which I told you before, when my aunt came. And... Um, Backing up a little bit, Ruth, you mentioned how your aunt came to visit you in Magdeburg, uh, East yes. Germany from West Germany. So she's in the, on the free side. You're on the right. communist side where you have no rights whatsoever. Right. Um, and she, you, 
So how did she risk her life or how did she, how was it risky for her to come to East Germany? Well, she came with another lady, which also had family in the East side and they were caught by the Russians and the Russians took them in. They raped the other lady. Somehow my aunt did not get raped. She had to wash dishes all night long for the Russians. And in the morning, they let them go. That usually they kill them afterwards. That yeah. they let them go. Oh my. And she came and told us about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's when I learned to really believe. And I know there was a reason for living. And then we had the ordeal of crossing the border from the east to the west. And we did what, it twice. What was the border like? Can you describe uh, that? There was, you didn't, well, then they later on, had the, uh, the Berlin border, that was later, we were already in America by that time. But that was in 1947, when we crossed the border. And you took the train till to the end of the country where they said there was a border and the trains had to stop. They couldn't go any more further because then came West Germany. And all the people had to get out of the train. And then you would walk over the countryside hoping you ended up in West Germany. There were there were border gaps. There were no, no uh, wires or anything like that. You just had to walk. But there were border guards here and there, and you had to avoid the border guards. Well, Otherwise, what? The, uh, you had to see that you got over to the west side and not be seen by the border guards. Would they hurt you, shoot you? They if... would shoot you, yeah. They would okay. shoot you. So okay. the first one, we were caught, and usually there was a bunch of people which walked together. And we were caught by the border guards. And, of course, oh. they made a hole, and they showed the, you the guns, pointed them at you. And you had to set down your suitcase or backpack or whatever you had. And they searched it. I guess they searched for weapon and they searched for alcohol. And there was one young man. He had a bottle of liquor in his backpack. And guess what? That border guard got so involved with that bottle of alcohol that he didn't pay any attention to the other people anymore. And he took the bottle of alcohol away from the young man. Well, when this water guard turned around, the young man took his bottle of alcohol back and went on his bicycle and took off. When the border guard saw that, he went after the young man we heard him shoot after him, mm. but we took a road which went down lower, and we crossed over to West Germany. Wow. <laughs> this was quite an experience. 
he went after that bottle of alcohol. The Russians like alcohol an awful lot. And I guess they couldn't get any at this time. So that bottle of alcohol was the most important thing for that water bottle. So we and went it sounds over like to... it was an important thing for you and your group that he wanted that alcohol because that bottle of alcohol provided the distraction so that you can then that was escape the other way, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went over to West Germany. We came to West Germany and we went to live where my grandmother was and my aunt, which had come over. They lived together in a little room over there in West Germany. There were no rooms, there were no apartments because everything was ruined. In ruins, everything was shut down. And so... Did you say everything was shut down, ruined? Well, everything... There was nothing. (laughs) If there was a house which was still standing, you were lucky. Gotcha. Like it was bombed, like everything was destroyed, like demolished from the war. Okay. So you have to go to the government and ask for food stamps. So when we came to the government, to the office there for food stamps and told them we came from East Germany, they said, you cannot have any food stamps. We don't want any more people here. You have to go back. So we had to go back. My grandmother and my aunt kept my brother. They said, you go back with Ruth. We keep the boy and we try again to get you over here. We're going to find a way to get you over here. So mother and I, we had to go back to East Germany. What was that like? I mean, did they welcome you with, I mean, obviously they were trying no, to shoot at you to keep you in. Did they welcome you back? Woohoo! I mean, we got you back. What, or was it worse? The going back was not bad. I remember we had to go back and live with those terrible people. They didn't even know where we were because we had to tell nobody that we yeah. were going across the border. You told that nobody, you just left and told nobody you were doing. They were surprised that we were gone and then we came back. So mother and I had to live there. And then my aunt, she found out there was a refugee camp over way back west in Germany. And people which come from other countries can go in that refugee camp. So she said we need to border across the border again and that was that was when I really learned that there's a God in heaven. Mother and I took again the train went to the end and wanted to cross the border there and all of a sudden my mother just had a nervous breakdown. She sat down she said Ruth I don't care I can't do it anymore. It was just my poor mother. She must have suffered terrible. Her husband was dead. No more home. No more money. However, she was always bright. She had a a saving booklet with the post office. And that was good in East Germany, and that was good in West Germany. And there was a little bit money in there that she could get some when we were completely destitute. And she sat down, she said, I can't do it anymore. 
I, I just done. And she sat down and she cried. And mm-hmm. here I was, 14 years old, standing there, afraid that the border guards will get us. And mother didn't move anymore. And I turned around and I said, oh, God, help us. I remember that still. I stood there completely alone and forgotten. And there came two people on the bicycle, way up on the, on the hill. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now they're going to come right up, rape us and shoot us. Mm. And it, it, you, you, you don't know your heart stands still in a moment like that. And those two men on the bicycle came down, stood before us and said, May we help you up the hill? And they took our suitcase and they pulled up mother and we walked up the hill. And in the, back, in the railroad station up the hill in Helmstedt was sitting my aunt Hannah, the sister of my mother, sitting there all day praying and fasting that we would make it safely cross the border. And you read it. You have never had a reunion in your life like that. We hugged each other. We kissed each other. We were all alive. That I will never forget. Never in my whole lifetime that the Lord protected us. And those men were not our enemies. They were our friends. They took us up the hill. And mother got up. And then we had to go to that refugee center with the train in West Germany and get behind this, the wires as the refugee centers are. And then we had to wait until they would give us allowance to live in West Germany. That was quite a story. There was never an idea to go to America. I just didn't think. In fact, there was a book in Germany that was called The Leather Stocking, and it told so many awful stories about the Indians. So... I didn't want anything to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, somehow, uh, as another story, I was 14 years, 14 and a half. We had to get out of that refugee center. And they did not have places where to put the people. So they decided that my mother and my brother were going back to that little locum place where my grandmother and my aunt lived and they took my grandma, my mother and my brother back to that little place. My aunt Hannah went to Stuttgart in South Germany and my mother sent me with a man to Düsseldorf. This man came to the refugee center and he wanted a young girl 
that his wife could train as a housekeeper because his wife was a housekeeping uh, trainer. And <clears throat> mother thought that was a good way for me to get out of the refugee center because refugee centers are places where girls get raped and there are lies and bed bugs mm. and whatever there is bad, that's what you find in refugee centers. And mother said, you have to get out here, you have to get in decent surroundings. So she sent me this, that, Mr. Schaefer. Schaefer was his name and sent me to Düsseldorf. Imagine me all alone. Everything and you're how old at this time? And 14 I or 15? 14, 14, 14 wow. I turned 15 and I finally lived there for a while. And I came there. And the first thing what they did put me in the bathtub because I came from yeah. a refugee center. And there could have been lice in in my hair, there could, there could have been bugs in my clothes, I don't know. They took everything away from me and put me in a bathtub and gave me a beautiful room. Wow. And yes, because they had, their house was bombed on the top and they had restored. By then they had their house restored and they had some beautiful rooms upstairs. And this man was a wholesaler for shoemakers. And this is the way my mother made contact with that man. Because my father was a shoemaker and he was a wholesaler for that business. So she trusted that man. Nowadays, I think, how could my mother do that? Yeah. <laughs> but she had to get me out of that refugee center. We had to become living people again. Yeah. There, there had to be some order in my life. I still had to learn something. And so I got a beautiful room there. With everything, I got new clothes and whatever. But this lady, this Mrs. Schaefer, she was a trainer. Oh my goodness. She put on white gloves that everything was clean in the house. Everything had a place. And I had to learn to cook. And I had to learn to go shopping. And it was, in one way, it was wonderful, but I was so lonely. I was mm. so lonely because those people, they're all strangers. They were strangers. And that lady was not like a mother to me. She was a boss to me. Yeah, boss. <laughs> that was no. very, very, very hot. Well, I did get to know some people from the LDS church, and I get, did get to know the the family of my husband when I later then got married. But <laughs> this was very, very hot. That was very hot. And was I it hard? Tried was it hard work too? I mean, it was hard to be away from all your family. You're only 14 years old. Was, you have no friends, the, no relatives, no nobody. The, but was the work was not hard because this lady she would teach you how 
how to take care of the big house and how to be a proper housekeeper. And she had big parties and I had to learn to serve them and whatever there was. So they were well-to-do people. And I had to get used to their way of life. But there was mm. nobody there to love me. Everything mm. was work. And so when I finally found out where the Church of Jesus Christ met, which was far away on the other side of town, and when I asked her if I could go there on Sunday, they had meeting Sunday afternoon. She said, I don't know those people. I don't know if I should let you go there. Well, she allowed me every second Sunday to go over there. And I had to go across the Rhine Bridge. And the Rhine Bridge had so many holes. Oh, from the war. <laughs> And one day I came back with a sack of potatoes, which had come to America for the members of the church. And there was a little hole in my backpack and some little potatoes went bing on the bridge and down in the Rhine. But Mrs. Schaefer was very happy that I brought a backpack of potatoes back with me. And then later on, we got some uh, cans uh, with tomatoes and some some wheat and whatever what the, what the people from Salt Lake City sent to the saints in Europe. So it was, it was kind of an interesting experience. When I looked awesome. back, I said, the loneliness was the worst. Being lonely and away from your loved ones. It's very hard when you are so young. That's so, so Ruth, um, we've only got to the part where you're 14, and we haven't even talked about how on earth did you wind up coming to America? Can we do this again? We'll do a part two, um, if okay, that's agreeable if you to you, so you can show say. more. Yeah, I would love to do that. Plus, everyone, she had uh, Ruth started telling me a story while we were waiting um, to record this of what it was like when she. Yeah, I need to uh, finish. Can I finish the story? When I was with the Hitler Youth, and when we yeah, when you were Hitler Youth was was yeah. amazing. Was just like, gosh, uh, we have so much to be thankful for in this country that our children. Um, have not had to experience they, they don't what even she know had to. How it is to be forced. They don't even know how it is to be forced. You forced, have to yeah. do what you were told to do, and there was no ifs and there was no buts. That's yeah. the way it was. You did what you were told. Well, anyhow, by the government, when, yeah, 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 but by so by your leaders. Did, then we ran away through the side street and ran home. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Then you can't, wait, wait, you can't go there yet because the rest of the people don't know the beginning of the story. So let's let's record um, again part two and you can start at the beginning of okay. your Hitler Youth story because, yeah, I'm totally in suspense, everyone. This the, We had to start the show uh, and start recording from the very beginning and she, and she never did get to finish the rest of the story of what happened, yeah, how she escaped. That's a long story. Yes, yeah, long story how we had to go to the boat to come to America. That's another story. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so, yeah. So, let everyone, let's do this again. You're going to have uh, 
uh, an intermission, we'll call it. You can have an okay. uh, intermission and do whatever you want and then get back on podcast number two um, and hear the rest of the story, even though I'm sure it's not even the rest of the story of the exciting life of Ruth and her escape from how she got out of East Germany and came to then um, West Germany. And then we've got to hear how she goes to America. So, so Ruth, just in a nutshell... Tell us one, uh, one something that you would like to share, at least right now at the end of this recording of, of these, this part of your life, your story, um, your experiences uh, with East Germany and communism and, and Hitler. Um, share with our Americans today just one thing that you would like them to know, um, a message that you'd like to share with them. Um, today, and then we'll have the other part of your message that you can share at the end of the next time we record. Does that I make sense? Learn and keep the Ten Commandments. Is that what you wanted? Learn yeah. and keep the Ten Commandments and study the history of the United States. That gives okay. you a reason for living. Wow. So when we record again, Ruth, I would love to have you tell us why those two things, keeping the Ten Commandments and learning the history of the United States, okay. uh, gave you a reason for living. So yep. um, definitely let's do this again, Ruth. Loving it. Okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> so everyone else... Oh, I'll, when we're done recording, I will uh, we'll set that all up. So everyone else, though, that's listening, if you or someone you know or a relative of yours has come to America from a different country and would like to share their story on Ask an Immigrant, you can contact me at Lydia at LovingLiberty.net. That's L-Y-D-I-A at LovingLiberty.net. Uh, thank you for joining me and Ruth today, 90-year-old Ruth. I just love it. Um, go forth now and stand up today for liberty in your life.